Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Doug C. Brown. He is a sales revenue growth expert. We're going to talk to him about how he helps companies, uh, helps leaders with the growth process, really around growing sales and all the problems that come with that. I can't uh, tell you all the, <laughs> all the all the problems I run into on my own business and businesses that I've run before on the clients that I work with around sales. Everyone, I don't think anyone is, is feeling like they're experts at sales. There's always a challenge. There's always something kind of getting in the way, something that is not working quite right uh, that is holding something back. And, you know, we, we always say if, you know, sales drives growth, if you don't have sales, you're not going to be able to grow otherwise. So you really got to have to add fuel to the business around sales to be able to drive the growth. So a really key, important part of the growth process. With that, Doug, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So before we kind of dive into what you're doing today with sales and working with companies on sales strategy and sales growth, uh, give us a little background. What was what was your career like? What did you uh, study? Like, how did you get to where you are today? Well, I studied music and I studied biology and business. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's that. those were my formal studies. I actually fell into sales. I didn't even recognize sales to be a, a job until I was in my you know mid-20s, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah, I grew up in a family business, started working at age three for my father, and I was sweeping floors for 25 cents a week. And, you know, by the time we were six or so, he started putting us out in front of clientele. We started writing orders and, and just, I always had this entrepreneurial you know, drive. So it was yeah. kind of like, well, all right, this might work. So I try that. And so I started a bunch of, you know, businesses while I was in grade school and then in high school and, and uh, in the military and college. So, but what happened was uh, I was going to college and selling music equipment to a lot of the bands um, that probably you and I have listened to over the years. Sure. And um, I decided, you know, this is a pretty good gig, right? You can get up, do your thing, make money. <laughs> But I didn't know anything existed as a sales job because it was just kind of like throughout most of my life, I just was either doing my own businesses or I was either, you know, working for my dad or, or, you know, selling music equipment. Right. But it hit me when I got out of school. So I got my degrees in biology, nuclear medicine, business, and I had one in music. 
because I was a terminal student for a long time after I got out of the military. Uh-huh. And I couldn't find a job. I couldn't find a job <laughs> to, yeah. to support anything. So I'm like, I found a job in nuclear medicine. And it paid okay. me one one third of what I was making selling music equipment, <laughs> right? And I was like, whoa. That's crazy. Right? So I'm like, maybe I ought to take a look at this a little in, more in depth. And somebody said to me, hey, listen, why don't you just go be a, you know, an account re- representative for companies? And so that's how it kind of started, right? I yeah. was like, okay. And then I did. And I took my first, uh, my first role there. And um, I took what I was making in sales for the music business, and I tripled that in the next job. Um, nice. And so I was like, okay, there's really something called a sales job. Yeah. <laughs> and so I became a major account executive for this company. And, and uh, eventually I became the number one rep in, out of the 315 of us that were there. And I just, you know, haven't looked back. I've been building businesses ever since. And um, then so what I ended up doing is applying all of this learned combination of building businesses and sales. Because as you said at the beginning of the podcast here, you know, if you don't have sales running a company, you don't really have a business, really, when it comes down to it. Yeah. Um, so there's a difference between selling and there's a difference between sales, you know, revenue growth. So applying growth strategies to the sales process is what I learned over time. And I've done it for hundreds of companies. So, yeah. What do you think? I'm curious. What What do you think made you such a successful salesperson? Like if you look at kind of the different roles you were in and, and even going across different companies, selling different things, like what were the common themes and threads that, that you saw that led to your success? Building massive rapport, right? Building trust. And that, that was my success because, you know, people couldn't figure out what I was doing. I was coming in like that major account executive role. I was out selling, you know, sometimes nine teams of people, you know, that were had seven to nine people on the team combined monthly quota. I was out selling some months. So they were like, whoa, what's this kid on, right? Yeah, what magic (laughs) does he have? Yeah. And all I was doing was, you know, so I had to sort of unpack this later on so I could teach it to other people. But trust is the number one factor in a sale. And building that rapport right out of the gate, people will will go the extra mile if they know that you're playing win-win. So that was the second thing. I always played Uh win-win. It wasn't right for them. I would tell them I wouldn't think it was right for them. And I'd be the first to try to disengage from the process. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the combination between that trust and playing win-win and backing that with massive prospecting. So give you an example in that job that I had as a major account executive, I had 62 incoming calls a day for sales coming into my phone. And to the point where I had to hire assistants to actually handle the, the incoming volume. Yeah, I can imagine. So what I would do is I would go out and I would use uh, other people's networks, you know, leverage people's networks, which is a growth strategy, right? I mean, you can find somebody that has an ideal client base and make an arrangement with them and they introduce you to the client base. And so that was my job. I would go out and I would build these networks of referral partners, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's how I was able to get so much volume coming in. But with their clients and with them, it was trust, win-win. So everybody knew you had their back. And I learned this in the military, you know, mm-hmm. when you get into situations of, I would say, uh, stress, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you better all have each other's back, even if you don't like one another. And so I've always adapted that, played that, and then massive prospecting, meaning you've got to constantly be looking for, for business. And what happens with most salespeople is they get so either saddled down with the operational side of the sale that they get caught or 
you know, they're doing great this month and next month, and then the following month, they're not doing so great because they haven't had stayed consistent through the process. Yep. And what, um, so to kind of develop these skills over time, and then you realize that, hey, I can, I can kind of teach these things, or I can transfer some of this knowledge to other folks. How is, tell me about that process, because I, sometimes I find that you know, people can do something really, really well, but when they try to explain it, they can, <laughs> it cannot go so oh, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What, how, how did you actually learn what you were actually doing that was transferable and, and figure out how to transfer some of those skills? I, I <laughs> So I, I was going to say the fourth thing I think I had was ignorance in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. I would just walk in and I'm like, I'm an open book to learn. Like, I don't, I don't care if people judge me in the capacity of like, this kid doesn't know what he's talking about. I'll figure it out. Right. That type Uh of thing. And so that kind of led me into teaching and, and I'll give you an example. So what happened was after that major account executives job, I had a, I started my own company doing telecommunications auditing and consulting. And, uh, that led me to start supporting training companies, which was kind of a weird niche that I found. And I helped this gentleman named Jay Conrad Levinson. He owned a company called Guerrilla Marketing. It was a Guerrilla Marketing book series. Okay. He introduced me to a guy named Chet Holmes. And so Chet wrote a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine. And so I loved what Chet was doing. I applied some of the stuff to my business. I was able to make it grow. And so I approached Chet's company. I said, hey, you know, I've never done coaching, but I think I'd be a good business coach. Could I have a shot, you know? And, you know, again, build trust, play win-win, do the right things, right? And so I did. And, and uh, you know, I was working my company plus that. And in the first four months, I became his number one grossing coach. And all I was doing is applying what I already applied in previous to coaching, right? Because what I realized is coaches are not coaches. They're not selling coaching, at least. They're mm-hmm. selling the client on the ability for them to coach them. So you have to get client acquisition as the primary consideration. Yeah. And so, you know, I was, I think I was billing at 65,000 a month in coaching in the first four months, right? And so they they were like, what the heck? And so what ended up happening is I started doing so well that they, they approached me and said, listen, will you teach the other coaches what you're doing? Got it. And so I was like, okay. Um, (laughs) Again, being ignorant, right? Um, Okay. I'll, I'll give it a shot. So then that's where I learned to start to unpack all this stuff. So what I did is I applied these same things for the coaches. And what ended up happening was their coaching, uh, average coaching deal went from $1,500 a month to $2,500 a month. Their average close rate went from 20% to 25%. And this was all within, you know, a few months. And so they realized that I had something and I did too. So then they asked me to apply this to their, their sales division, their presenters division, et cetera. So I went through the whole company helping the uh, company increase their close rates and increase the profitability and sales revenues of the company. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what you actually sort of do or what you did for these folks. What do you actually taught them? I mean, uh, sort of break it down for me in terms of where, I guess, where on the sales process do you focus or, or how do you kind of structure it, you know, from the kind of awareness lead generation to actually kind of closing and, you know, onboarding clients? Like what, what does that journey look like for you? Yeah. So every, every step is a, a step that's linked to a next step, right? Uh-huh. So people go, well, you got to, you know, build rapport. And it's like, what about connection first? Right. You got to go from somebody who doesn't know you, let's say, on a cold play to a connection. So there has to be a reach out to a connection. And that connection then can lead to a meaningful conversation. That meaningful conversation can be a dialogue in, you know, electronic format today or in the old school. It was always, you know, voice to voice, right? Or face to face. 
So when I look at each segment of somebody's sales process, I go and I say, all right, listen, we're trying to do this many outreaches and we're making this many connections. Let's measure this and let's figure out how to improve that ratio. Because if we improve the ratio, now we can improve the meaningful communication, let's say, to the, to the, the leads that we're, we're going after and or, you know, what people would call suspects or whatever, then what we can do is we can increase the connection. Once we increase the connection, we can measure, you know, what worked, what didn't. Then once the connection goes, okay, how do we get that to stage two? You know, what's the next thing after that? So let's say stage one was the first part, stage two, getting there. Then once we get them to stage three, so we measure all these little micro components along the path. And as we're measuring these micro components, we're making, you know, tweaks. It's like, when I was in the military, we used to have, uh, I don't know, different types of radios. You'd have to have multiple dials sometimes to get in to mm-hmm. have the communication, right? It's the same way. You know, you're just, you know, tuning in to the right stations. And if you make these little micro changes all along the path, you might improve 2% here, 1% there, 5% there, so on and so on. But if you have 20 of these throughout the path, all of a sudden the cumulative growth effect is simply, you know, powerful for, for companies. So that's, that's how I approach it. When I look at, uh, you know, sales and sales growth, we're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now back to our program. And what are some of the things that people are typically missing or get wrong or don't do right in that process? Any, any common issues that you run into? Yeah, their approach. Most of the approaches there are not really that, you know, um, <laughs> inviting, right? Okay. So a lot, a lot of approaches, people are talking about themselves, you know, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> classic, yeah. right? And it's, you know, it's just old training, right? You kind of get in and, hey, I'm Doug Brown from, or Doug Z. Brown from, you know, ABC company. We do XYZ widgets, you know, whatever it might be, you know. And what people haven't realized, and they're starting to get it now, Bruce, is that the old way of selling, pre-pandemic selling, is not the same as now, right? Yeah. And what changed this was not the pandemic, but it was the uh, combination of the internet and the pandemic, right? So, I, I remember 25 years ago or so, I used to teach and tell people, listen, the internet is going to change how sales is conducted because communication's changing. And all sales is, is communication. Mm-hmm. And so they would say, well, what do you mean? I'd say, well, think about it. You know, if uh, when I was growing up, if you wanted to buy an automobile, you had maybe three dealerships in a 50 mile area. And, you know, it was always a Ford, well, maybe four, Ford, Chevy, Dodge, and then you had one foreign car manufacturer at that time. Yep. But when you walked into a car dealer at that time, the car dealer had all the information. Yeah. Right? So today, hell, I don't even have to go to a car dealer. I can just go to Carvana or whoever. Yep. <laughs> click, 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 click. I'm done. Yeah. But I don't know what it is. The last time I was serving uh, auto dealerships, they were telling me about 70% of their leads were coming in first as an online lead. Wow. Really? Yeah. So if you think about seven out of 10 coming in, all right, so how do you now take that and have a communication to get somebody to come into the dealership, mm-hmm. right? So there, you've got to have the right approach. So the first thing is connection. Um, you know, 
It can't be like, you know, I'm a lounge lizard in a bar trying to pick up somebody, right? Which is, unfortunately, a lot of the ways that salespeople try to, you know, they try to get slick and smart. And <laughs> I'm going to trick them into buying something. Exactly, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> or at least into talking to me, and then I'll finesse them from there, right? And, the, the you know, you can still have ego in sales. That's healthy when you have healthy sales ego. It's just when you get to arrogance, it's where it starts to turn against mm -hmm. The sale. So, you know, I mean, the approach is, is so important. There's, there's lots of places. I mean, approach, follow-up, right? Follow-up's pitiful amongst most companies. Yep. You know, expanding sales, like even getting referrals, it's usually poor in many companies. You know, and these are all, you know, I mean, follow-up. I mean, let's take that one. You know, I always tell people, I'm like, you know, if we went zero to 10 on a scale, if I asked you how many times do you follow up over a year with a potential prospect, you know, write your number down, you know, how many times do you follow up with a, a current client, right? How many times do you follow up with dormant clients? And inevitably, you know, it's usually like I tell them add up those three ratios and a lot of companies are like, well, we're six, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, well, you know, according to all the statistics I have looked at in my life's experience in doing this, you know, I believe Jay Conrad Levinson, when he told me, he said, Doug, 80% of sales that are lost are due to lack of follow-up. Yeah. And so if you apply that ratio and you say, okay, we've got 100 leads a month, we're doing 20% close rate, okay, great. Now what's the question? Well, the question is, how many more could you actually get? How do you know that's not supposed to be 30 or 40, right? So when we start closing the follow-up ratios, they start getting sales. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So we just we just start working on that. And it's not hard, but, you know, follow up's hard because, I mean, you get 300 people you got to follow up with. It's very difficult. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, well, what can, can you do things to to make it not so difficult? I mean, what are some strategies yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that help simplify that process? You, know, you automate things, you templatize things. Right. Yeah. And but it can't be a template that goes out to everybody else. You got to personalize it. It's yeah. got to be, you know, humanized, if you will. And it doesn't take much. But it's discipline, right? So, I mean, if you think about it, you could send 100 emails a week easily if you just took 20 minutes a day and literally focused on it, Yeah. right? So, so the question really becomes, you know, people, you know, sometimes they're not hitting quota and I talk with them and I'm like, well, you know, what are your daily routines? And like, oh, well, we get up, yeah. we go have coffee, we go do this, we go to... It's like, well, why don't you take, you know, what do you do at night? I have a, you know, I watch three and a half hours of, you know, Seinfeld or whatever, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, well, why don't you take half an hour of that and let's put a routine, a healthy routine in every single day that, you know, is about follow-up or about how to get better on your own approach or how to get better on your own personality. I mean, because a lot of times what I've found is there's a lot of frames that people have from their, you know, upbringing. And those frames are in the way of actually being able to be a successful salesperson. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of kind of larger sales teams, how what are some of the issues you run into when you're you're dealing with teams of salespeople, sales managers, kind of the the dynamic that happens when, you know, you start to expand the organization? It's one thing to have, you know, one or two salespeople. It's another thing to have, you know, a team yeah. of 30, 30 yeah. folks that are out there selling. How, how do you deal with that? Well, uh, generally, I have found the biggest challenge is usually at the leadership level. Right. And the leadership level, I mean, they they stopped doing what got them to the place where they could get to be there. Right. So, for example, you know, they don't train. They don't yeah. coach. It's amazing how many companies don't coach their sales teams. And now when I mean coaching, I don't mean you all meet in a meeting once a week and run through your numbers or you don't even meet individually with one on one and run through the numbers. you got to literally work on the things that actually help conversion. 
right? But, you know, a sales manager's job, uh, usually half their job should be coaching the people, not just managing the numbers, right? So companies make mistakes all the time. I mean, I, you know, one of the common ones, Bruce, that you probably have seen over the years is, as I have is they take their top performing salesperson and they promote them to manager. Yeah, exactly. Right? Classic. Like, right? So basically they, ru- they ruin two jobs at one time when they mm-hmm. do that, right? Because there's different profiles, there's different sales DNA. And so, you know, I find that sometimes leadership needs to be bolstered at the top because the people who were running that got it to a certain place. But just like in any company, you know, a great CEO is always kind of looking and grooming to move herself or himself out of the way, right? Because, I mean, you take Google, for example, you know, and Sergio and Bryn, they brought the company up, but they got to a place where it was like, okay, we got to really have a real CEO in here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my hat's off to them because, I mean, they're Google today for that reason. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing in sales. Sometimes you have to move people in different places. And what I find is companies are not using adequate testing. They're kind of going on theoretical or hunches, right? Oh, this guy's likable. This gal's likable. Yeah. They'll be able to sell. And so what I've learned to do over the life is I drill down into things with sales-specific measurements, right? So we kind of go at it scientifically and we look at, okay, are they a hunter? If you want them in a hunting role, are they literally a hunter, right? Because each person has their own profiles. And I'm not talking specifically about like personality profiles, like, you know, a disc profile or something that will tell us how people behave. I'm talking about how do you measure whether or not they will literally use a CRM? How do you measure literally if they're a hunter or they're a farmer? And how, you know, so what are the, what are you measuring to kind of identify those, those traits or those capabilities? Yeah. So I use, I use assessments to do this uh-huh. and we benchmark them, you know, against, uh, you know, a couple million salespeople have already taken them yeah. and we benchmark it against what the company actually wants. Got it. So it's important to benchmark it against what the company wants, right? Not just, you know, cause you take it, if people take assessments and they're, and they're measured against even 2 million salespeople, it's like, wow, that sounds, you know, impressive, but it doesn't necessarily mean they could do the job at that particular company. So we have to figure out what the job role really is at the company. And then once we understand that, then we can measure, do they actually have the ability to do this? And a lot of companies are not willing to go through the prescription process, you know, before they diagnose or, you know, like a doctor, you know, you walk into a doctor's office and they don't, uh, (laughs) you know, look at the diagnosis side before they're prescribing, I should say then what ends up happening is, you know, people get fed pills or whatever, and they're not Mm -hmm. effective, right? So I'm very big into take a good look, assess, let's set back first, step back, assess, diagnose, but assess first, and then understand in reality what's happening, because sometimes it might just be the sales process is broken. It may not be the people, right? It may not be the leadership. So, but I, you know, the common ones I find are leadership, salespeople in the wrong positions, you know, they've been holding on to people when they should have been letting them go years ago, <laughs> yeah. you know, things like unfortunately, that. Unfortunately, you, you mentioned something earlier. I wanted to kind of go back to you about that, that a sales manager's job is to coach their, their salespeople. And it's not just kind of meeting and talking about their metrics and stuff. What is, what is an actual coaching conversation like for a salesperson? Like what do, what would you say is a successful or what are the elements of a successful coaching conversation? Well, it all starts with goals, right? So we got, we got to identify clearly what the goals are and why they want them. Mm-hmm. So if I ask managers, and which I have over the years, you know, what does, you know, representative number three want in their life? 
right? <laughs> They're like, I have no clue. <laughs> right? So it's like, okay, so what's motivating them to want to be here? Money. No, not necessarily. What is driving the need for the money, right? And so we've got to kind of understand them as a person first, and then we'll know what kind of motivation to put toward that. So, you know, I have a friend, very good friend, who his company's growing, we've been talking, and he's out buying all kinds of new toys, you know, really high-end expensive cars and things like that. And I'm like, going through your second midlife crisis, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so, you know, because I can joke with him, but in reality, what's driving him is the ability to buy things that make him feel important right? So isn't that important to know in what we're doing? And now let's structure a plan on how he can buy more things. Yeah. Because that's what motivates him. Yeah. Right. So coaching really isn't just about, hey, let's work on, you know, your follow-up ratios. I mean, that that could be part of it. But what they want to do as a manager is they want to understand what's motivating and driving these people and what's their goals. How do you help them exceed their goals? You know, do they really want to exceed them, firstly? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? And how do you help them get there? And that's where you go and you start applying the micromanagement of the micro measurements, right? Because you can look and you can say, okay, you know, you've had 32 approaches, you've gotten two appointments. But last month, you had 30 approaches and you got 10 appointments. The month before, you had 30 approaches, you had eight appointments. Uh, The month prior, you had, you know, the same ratio of low appointments, So what were you doing different in these two months Mm -hmm. than you're doing in these other two months? Well, I don't know. Well, let's unpack that and figure it out. (laughs) Let's find out. Right? That that's coaching. That's where we're in and we're coaching people because let's say that we find out in those two months there's something internal in the company that keeps happening that's preventing them from actually getting the appointment, technology, whatever it might be. Well, great, we remove the impediment. Guess what? Now they have consistent results. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole, um, you know, kind of lean agile, you know, first thing you need to do is stabilize the system before you can improve it. Right. If you've got your results are over the place, like you've got to figure out how to just get it down to a, a reasonably consistent system. And then I can figure out how to kind of tweak it and start implementing improvements around it. It's getting really good advice. Uh, you know, I'm curious in terms of the, the work that you're doing today, typically, who are you working with? How are you engaging? What kind of problems are you solving for folks? So on the one-on-one advisory client side, you know, I typically like to work with companies that are about 20 million in revenue and up to 150. Mm-hmm. You know, can I work with a $500 million company? Yep. But it, I'm kind of at a place just, you know, again, what are my goals in life, right? Is to help people, but I don't want to be in a position where I'm dealing with intercompany politics yeah, on a exactly. left and right basis, yeah. right? So in, in earlier in my career, you know, I would work with big, big companies and my gosh, it would take them four and a half months to make a simple decision. Oh, geez. Yeah. Right. And so it was like, okay, so now you're there for two years and you still didn't get done what you can get done in a, you know, $80 million company in four months. Yeah. Right. So I, I like to be in that. I'll leave, you know, even 10, 5 million, depending on where they are. I like, I like companies where I can work with the owners mm-hmm. uh, of those companies because we can affect and get things done and we make a huge impact. And it's not like I haven't made you know huge impact in large companies too, but it's just different. Like when I yeah. worked with you know Intuit, we they went from in one of the divisions, they went from a seven million dollar loss to a ten million dollar gain in one year. Yeah. Right? That was significant. But I mean, you know, I'm just another number that came through there and they long probably have forgotten about yeah. me, right? <laughs> yeah. But if you know, if you take a company that's doing fifty million and we can get them to seventy eight million dollars you know 
that usually is a big impact in their in their lives. Yeah. And so, you know, which can mean all kinds of things for the owner. I mean, you know, the other thing is about setting it up so that the owner can, you know, just have meetings and not be, you know, tied down and saddled down with all the problems of the business that, you know, can be handled by other people. Because sometimes just owners, when they build it, especially from scratch up, you know, they're still trying to keep their hands in all the pieces. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, so I mean, that's really kind of it. Now, I I have found something that I am going to do, and I'm actually actively working on this, going to be launching it now in 2022. I actually figured out, like you had said to me, you know, how did you unpack it, right? So I've been going back and unpacking everything. And so I've been, you know, (laughs) I could show you, Bruce, I got probably, uh, I don't know, 82 mind maps at this point or something, right? Um, so I've been I've been unpacking everything. And what I've realized is it breaks down into six facets. So if I can teach these six facets to people, then their sales numbers go up. So I, I'm going to do that in 2022 coming up. Yeah. And I did a couple of trial runs just to see if it worked, you know? I got some fantastic results. I did it over a year period of time, a couple different, two or three, uh, actually three groups. Mm-hmm. And um, I got one guy, he went from 140000 in commissions to $2.1 million in commissions Damn. in one year. Damn. You know, I, another person, her, her highest sale was 30000 a month. She closed a $300,000 sale in one month, right? So I, I'm like, okay, this works, Yeah. right? And so I'm now codifying it, and I'm going to roll it out to any anybody who's basically selling, you know, the people who are supposed to be selling all day, every day. And those who know they're not doing so, <laughs> yeah, right? But they know they should be, right? So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to roll that out as a training aspect uh, in 2022. That's great. Doug, if people want to find out more about you, the work <laughs> that you do, what's the best way to get that information? I use LinkedIn quite a bit. So my uh, LinkedIn is Doug Brown 1234 They can email me directly at Doug at businesssuccessfactors.com. They can call me direct if they want. They can call me at 603-595-0303. Perfect. I'll make sure that information in the show notes so people can click through and get that. Uh, highly encourage everyone to check that out. I think uh, everyone in business at some level has to do with sales, <laughs> whether they're the salesperson or they're the CEO or they're a COO. Sales is you know key for, for all the growth businesses. So highly encourage everyone to check out Doug's information. Doug, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Bruce. A question. Can I plug my book? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tell us about the book. It's called Shameless Promotion Book uh, Promotion here. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a book. It's called Win-Win Selling, How to Unlock the Power of Profitability by Resolving Objections. I wrote it on sales communication, basically. Mm-hmm. And I wrote the book. It, it sat for two years. And I, you know, I've written several books and I just didn't release them. And my wife came to me one day and she said, why'd you write the book? <laughs> She said, can I read it? I said, yeah. I said, well, I wrote it to help people. So she comes back and she goes, you know, not because I'm your wife. She used to be one of my clients, actually, early oh, on in life. Yeah. And she goes, because I was one of your former clients, I can say this. This is really good. Yeah. So my question is, and she started asking me questions. And then the last question she, uh, she asked me was, did you really write the book to help people? And I said, yes. And she goes, well, if you don't release it, how are you going to help people? Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Power of communication, right? So I released the book and, you know, to my surprise, it went to uh, a number one bestseller in four countries. Um, And, you know, it's a really great book if anybody wants to learn how to have communications in a win-win fashion. So 
It's called Win-Win Selling, Unlocking the Power of Profitability by Resolving Objections. You can get it on Amazon, uh, or you could even go to winwinsellingbook.com. I'll make sure that uh, that link is in the show notes as well. So I encourage everyone to check it out. Doug, thank you so much for the time today. I appreciate it. Thanks again, Bruce. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.